On this episode of Kitchen Table Netrunner, we wrap up our coverage of the Cash Refresh Tournament, give our first impressions from playing Core 2019 decks, and discuss our plan for using Nisei's GNK to host our first event. Stick around. Welcome to Kitchen Table Netrunner. I'm Tristan. I'm Nicole. Guess what? Chicken butt. No. Actually, we are on Google Podcasts, if you search for Netrunner, the number two podcast. Number two! Behind only Run Last Click. Fancy. So, also the only other podcast that's actually continuing to produce content, but... So we're number two out of two? I don't want to say it like that. Okay. Just... But, along those lines... Episode three dropped uh, the same day that Run Last Click released a new episode, the first one in many weeks. Yes, I remember. And not that I listened to it, I just remembered you felt a little overtaken. I felt like you know when you had those paintings about like the end of the days of the dinosaurs, when there's like the big dinosaurs and there's like the little rat-like mammals that are like scurrying about trying to find food and shelter and not get stomped on. Uh huh. That's kind of how I felt. Like I was one of the little rat creatures, and we're just like trying to eke out an existence until the asteroid comes. But like, yeah, well, you know that worked <laughs> out for them, right? Eventually, but a lot of them got stomped on first. But well, okay, I don't want to say. I, I don't mean this like in a bad way or in a competitive way, right? Like the people at Run Last Click are A, way better at Netrunner than we are. B, they make better content. C, they have British accents. I'm not even going to try. I wasn't, I was, please don't. <laughs> I didn't consider it. Well, that's good. That's good. I'm not, I'm not trying to compete with anybody. It was a good episode too. They, they talked to all sorts of people from the UK scene. They talked to Ben Nee and Alice and Seamus McCloud, and, you know, the whole gang. Well, what you just need to do is be, like, in charge of the scene for our locale, and then you can be just like them, but across the so pond. say our locale, like, I'm not all sure. of the United States, because that's a lot. I know, that's why I said our locale, because I really didn't have, like, a specific plan. I feel like the UK might be about the size of Oregon, but there's probably 15 times as many people. could include, like... Washington and California. I really like going to Washington and California. Do you? Especially California. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Seattle's fun to me. I like Seattle. I just said that. I know. I was just re-saying it. So let's talk about the latest oh news. My goodness. <laughs> latest news. So the first of all, uh, Nisei has several of those those articles of 15 minutes. There was one uh, that was with... Metamatic. So he's uh, French. Got into Netrunner uh, via English because apparently the, the French translation isn't as fun. What are your thoughts about that? He said, and I quote, playing on Jinteki.net, as fantastic as it is, definitely doesn't scratch all the same itches. So booyah! Did you, okay, I feel like. I don't actually think it's fantastic. I was going to, yeah. I, I mean, like. This in, is like the exact opposite the, of what the you The concept believe. of it is fantastic, but. I don't enjoy playing on it. You haven't given it a real shot yet. We're going to do that soon. Perhaps. Soon. Perhaps. Yeah. But the point is, I'm not the only one who's like, ah. Pro tip. If you think Jinteki.net is fun and you want to convince someone else that it's fun, don't do it when they're on a laptop and you're on a little tablet and you're in the airport waiting to board a flight. I was on the tablet. You were on the laptop. 
I've never played it on a laptop. Always on a tablet or one time even we, my phone. Okay, and that we, was the worstest. Yeah, especially when you had to like try and type commands. <laughs> anyway, so that was my bad. Yeah. I didn't give you a fair introduction. It's way better than it seems. Okay. Not fun. I like cards in my hand. It says that the scene in France is not great. Not doing great right now. It's really struggling for. Uh, Maybe we should move to France. I don't. I don't need another project right now. <laughs> yeah, apparently the scene is is suffering. You could see that. I mean, like, not everybody who lives in France speaks English. Well, they have or, French cards too, but they sound not as good. So not as much fun. Not as compelling. Fair enough. Seems like there's a lot of a lot more hurdles to jump over. There's a reference in the article to Laser Runner, which we'll talk about in a second. And, you know, just like how big a deal that is on the continent. Oh, I felt comforted. Like, he says, I still often feel intimidated by this game in spite of loving it so much. And I feel the same way. I love it, but it is, it's a beast. You don't, in a good way. You don't seem intimidated when you're across the table from me. Maybe you're not intimidating enough. Is it like, like when you see a mountain lion, do I just need to make myself look bigger? I don't know. Try it next time. Okay. <laughs> you might make me giggle the whole time, though. Okay. All right. There's also an, uh, a 15 minutes from Andrew and Cassidy, who are two players that found the game in toward the end of its life cycle, and they're getting into it, and they're actually like playing it. They got the core set, so they're playing it as if it were coming out for them, right? Like It says it's like getting into a TV series that's already ended. This was their chance to start, because they were afraid there was going to be too much to buy into. So there, there are people that are even newer to the game than us. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, we gotta keep getting new new blood. You know, I binge watch TV shows. Sure. You know, after I've like missed the beginning of them, or makes me think about makes it gives a new perspective to how we should like go about looking through all those other cards. I'll have to think about that. Well, I mean, just think about how many hours you spend binge watching a TV series. We don't play that under that much. I know, but the content doesn't change, right? Like, mm-hmm. but it's how much content there is. Is all I was saying. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not saying like we blow through them all in like a week. I'm just saying that maybe my original thought to like wait a month could be rethought. Okay, that's all I was saying. Looking forward to it. Great. Talk about your laser runner. Laser runner. It's an event in Europe, and it's a big deal because there are custom printed cards that you can only get there as prizes and never get sold, and they're super cool, right? Yeah, but not just that you can get them as prizes. Like everybody gets everybody one. gets one, and you get to like pick it. It's not like Right, it's the not best like, player right. to get the nicest thing, which I thought was pretty rad. Yes, it's very uh, democratic in that way. And what do you think about the uh, cheese ID, the laser engraved cheese? Koss Bioroid, engineering the fromage. Because Koss is German for cheese, oh. and fromage is French for robot. What? What? Fromage is French for cheese. Oh! <laughs> I did. I did know that. Didn't sound like it. <laughs> okay. Cool. That and would be fun to get like new yeah. IDs. Okay. There's an interview with Kevin Tame. Oh yeah. He is known as the hacktivist. And you know, when I read his article, it made me think about like he talks about the like, games he plays with his kids and all these things, and it's just like it seemed like I've never met Kevin Tame or played against him because I'm not good enough to be at the top tables when I do online tournaments. Like he is, but I, you know, feel like if we met, we might find ourselves to be kindred spirits. Fascinating. I think my biggest takeaway from this article was there's an Agricola mobile app. 
It can play Agricola on my phone? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I don't yeah. know if it's like multiplayer. I haven't looked into that. Well, he said the solo series is really fun. Solo series. So, you, I mean, like, is Agricola something? I mean, Agricola, even when you're playing with other people, is basically just playing by yourself. I know. I don't really care about whether I'm playing with other people or not. I can play it on my phone. That seems That seems fun. better than Candy Crush. Yeah. Also, he it talks about him drawing the Nisei logo and how it looks like. Chippendales. Uh, yeah. So what I don't know if that's what was on his mind or what, but. He claims not. So, yeah. You know. Take his word for it, I guess. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Next, we're going to talk about the expose. This is where we actually get some news and not just, you know, fun community stuff. So first of all, Ashes. There's going to be a new set that drops. Cool. Called Ashes because, like, the Phoenix Netrunner is rising from the ashes. Oh, I just made that up. That's probably where it comes from. Also, also two sets. So unlike FFG's work that has come out in six sets traditionally, this is going to be just two. I think it was interesting because I was having an argument one Saturday with the big boy, Abram, on over. Why would you call him the big boy? That's his handle on Slack. Oh, okay. Okay. It's not like. I thought it was just some weird nickname you gave to a random person. I was like, no, no. We were talking on that? Slack one Saturday, and he was saying that rotation was dumb, and like rotation is something that's just like you only need it because you have to print a certain number of cards as a commercial entity to keep selling product to keep your game afloat. And I was like, no, I think rotation is interesting because it like changes the game space in a meaningful way. He was like, you don't need to do that. If there's like problem areas of the game, you just release a couple of cards and then you just keep all the old cards and you ban some if they become really oppressive. And like, while I don't, I still don't like fully agree with his perspective. I think it was a helpful way to think about what the optimal number of cards is to release and what rotation looks like. And as we move toward an ideal card pool, whether we need as many cards. And so I think also just like the, difficulty of designing 60 cards must be astronomical it's 120 cards 120 cards in a set wow yeah so, i don't know i think his perspective is pretty logical it makes a lot more sense to me than yours but. well i just think it changing and evolving in a meaningful way right like things need to be born and things need to die for there to be like meaningful ecosystem change maybe i don't know and uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting was that they are working on which cards they want to save from rotation. So that's an interesting thing, because as they rotate, they can say, like, we're going to rotate these cards out, but keep these cards, introduce these new cards. And these people are like really finely attuned to the balance and, and thinking about what's going to keep the game fun. And play they do a lot of playtesting. Yeah, I mean, this is where I go back to what, what's his name said? I'm sorry, big boy, the big boy. You could call him Abram, I guess. Abram. This whole idea of like the rotation, like just ban cards or limit cards instead of saying like, oh, like I know you guys are going to be like, oh, you and your magnum opus. But like, it's a good example. Like if you say magnum opus is too powerful, then limit it. Have like one of them in your deck. Well, okay. But that's a whole different thing, right? Because making a card different or like printing errata on it is like a real problem because people will have different copies of the card and they won't they won't be the same and that's going to cause real confusion. That doesn't make any sense to me. You already have the cards. You just say like use them, don't use them, whatever. Right. And that's what we have, right? We have like this deck is like this deck uses cards that are allowed versus not but, like having limit one per deck. It like that's on Philotic Entanglement for example, right? But like yeah. but like printing that on a card that didn't have it previously is a problem. Why would you have to print it on the card? Just say it like 
people know, people follow, and they know what makes a deck legal, and just be like, these are the rules. I mean, like, Aesop's Pawn Shop is, like, it's a unicorn card. Right, it's restricted. Yeah, so, I mean, and, like, you can't have multiple restricted cards, but it's not like the cards have, this is a restricted card printed on it. You sure. You just know it, and you do it, so, like, why can't you just do that with any other card that you're like, maybe this one's a little bit too powerful or something, right? And it means that people can still, like, play in different ways, but they they can play as they were, but it's also like it does incorporate some strain because instead of me being like, well, I got two magnum opus and some test runs, so you know, in the next in the first couple turns, I should be able to like get my magnum opus in place and set up my rig. But if I only have one magnum opus, then I have to start thinking like, okay, well, what am I going to do if I can't get to it or if I lose it? You know, then I have to start having these other econ cards and. Well, what if you had? What if you just restricted Magnum Opus to zero per deck? Then you have to start thinking about how you're going to have other econ cards. Like, oh, I, I just think that making too many rules makes it too complex for people to deck build. I just think calling it rotation, they're like, well, rotate it out, and then maybe back in, and like, I just, and again, maybe we're just talking like about similar things, but with different words. No, I understand it. It, I think that the way that you think about it makes a difference. That's fair. So I just think that rotation is not necessary, whereas like just like restricting and limiting cards might be a better option. Well, I mean, don't you think that because the game has always been dynamic for us because we are continually like exploring new cards. Uh-huh. But once there aren't new cards or once we have like a full set of cards, then like, well, there are these new cards released, but the designers have two choices. Either they don't beat what the current most powerful setup is, or they do by pushing the power so that like they're the strongest cards now and I replace those instead, right? Like that's the kind of space that rotation frees you up from having to worry about. Yeah, but you don't have to do that. You can just have like different types, different things, right? Like if we're going to say like, oh, this tournament is core 2019 one set only then that's then that's your yes but i, format. I mean but nice only wants to support a small number of formats because they don't want it, like it to be too crazy right so they well it's fine nisei doesn't have to do everything i mean like nisei is this like body and they have their formats but why can't it just be like oh yeah we're gonna go the store championship it's gonna be in this format and you just like Pick whatever. I mean, that's what you do with the the online cash refresh tournaments that you do. So why can't... I don't understand why we have to rotate out. Why can't we just say, like, hey, sure. this time we're going to do it like this? Or, I mean, that, that, I mean that, that could work, right? Is you have a flagship format like Standard or Eternal or both. And then you have, like, little side projects like the cash refresh where you're changing up the card pool in new and unpredictable ways. And that's yeah. that's fine. And it could be like any number of things. You could say like, oh well you have to include like this card in your deck, you know? Or sure. something, right? I just I think that that would be more interesting and even maybe inclusive and understandable than this constant changing of card pools, you know, like you're purposely stirring the pot in a way that doesn't need to be done. Finally, we have the article about store championships. Yeah. So that's exciting that Nisei's already moving ahead to the next round of competitive play, the store champ level. Also, I'm impressed by like the amount that Nisei has been, you know, on it. Just because, like, aren't they all volunteers? They are all volunteers. Yeah. So. Also, they got these cool prizes. What do you think? Got yeah. Caddy Jones. Okay. Hanging out on a mat. Cool. 
and uh, embezzle crowdfunding. So, store champ season is uh, February through April, yes. and they're selling the kits again to just random yahoos because we're all volunteers now. But they're serious this time. You don't GNK's, have a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to order another one. Yeah. Unlike a GNK where you'd be like, hey, 30 bucks is a pretty good price for this cool mat and alt arts and stuff. But this, this store championship, they really are like, this has to really actually be a championship so that people feel good about these prizes. But not necessarily at a store. Right. Which I found interesting. And I was thinking about it as I was reading the article. But like, there might be like a third party place. Like, we've talked about, you know, we're doing the one at Game Rules and it's going to take up like his whole shop. And that's kind of been a little bit complicated. So the next thought would be like, well, what if instead we did it someplace neutral, like in like a meeting room at the library, you know, where. I don't think we're going to be quiet enough for the library. You don't have to be silent in the meeting room. Well, I've never done one of those. Anyway, the how, point, many, how many people do you think could sit in there? I don't know. I usually can get like a few long tables in there. In the one, I mean, our library is pretty small. Hmm. I think they all have like little rooms. And maybe the library is not like, I don't know if it's the best place, like a rec center or something, even, you know, rent a room there, right? Sure. I mean, we do have cavernous game stores that have plenty of space for these kinds of things as well. That's true. I'm not saying that we couldn't. I'm just saying, like, I wonder, you know, the the thing I thought about the library that I kind of found interesting was if you're going to have an event at the library, it has to be, like, open to everybody. So, like, they put it on their website or something, right? So, if they have the knitting group, then it can't just be, like, oh, only these people are allowed to come. It's, like, open to the public. So, it might draw a person or two in there and be, like, what is this? And you'd be, like, hey, it's Netrunner. It's a game. Watch it. Check it out. It just seemed like it was a thought that I had. I'm afraid it'll be like when I was playing and the kids were watching and I was playing against you and they're like, oh, what does the dog card do? Oh, I don't think (laughs) mom was supposed to know that I had that. That's true. There there could be that. <laughs> yeah, the other upside of the library is we send most of our kids over and tell them to play on the iPads while we're having our tournament. <laughs> Flagrant abuse of the 30-minute policy. <laughs> Take turns. All right, so do you want to do a store championship? I don't know. $80 is a lot to commit. Yeah. I'm afraid, though. I haven't seen any posted for Portland. No, I hope that they do one. I think we'll have to send Because here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. You have to order them by January 6th. Yeah, that's pretty quick. So you have to commit. I'm just saying you have to commit before all the GNKs are even done, right? So we'll talk later about ours, but ours is after that. Right. So we won't know if it was like, that was a train wreck that we never want to try again, or if it was like, that was fun. We should keep trying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay missing one. If You know, if it turns out to be like this magical experience, then it's like, oh, darn, it's too bad we didn't get in on that. But like miss it at like the expense of not having a store championship in Portland. Like that could kill the game. I don't know. There's some pretty devoted players. Well, then we better get someone to pick up the pick up the ball there. Feel free. But it's not going to be us. Okay. All right. We're busy humans, too. I know. (sighs) Right. That's our articles. Yeah. Moving on. Stimhack Online Cash Refresh 8 is over. And you... Well, I ended up 55th out of 82. Here's the thing. Not last. No, there was one poor person who won zero games. But I won five games. So while I maintained my streak of not winning at all with my runner, I dropped my last game as as a corporation. So what happened was... This was round six. Final round, I was playing against Liza, 
And I had a ginger remote and it was pretty solid, but I didn't have enough ice on centrals basically, right? Cause I was building up the ginger remote and I, I had some stuff, but you know, it's a criminal. Criminals have bypass, criminals have all kinds of stuff, okay. all kinds of shenanigans. And so I ended up just not being prepared. I was like, oh, should I put this agenda in there? In the, in the remote, is like toward the end of the game. And I was like, is that where it's going to be safest? Or am I like, I'm like, well, it's like, it's like two out of five cards are agendas. That's pretty safe for an access. I feel okay about that. And if they only steal one of them, then it'll be fine. But uh, I got like worked. <laughs> so they got them both. Yeah, it was, it was bad news. So I lost five to nine. I got four points stolen. Bummer. Yeah, that was really disappointing because I had a... You know, I had a, I had a streak going. I felt pretty good about that. I was playing against um, on the runner side. I was playing against Asmari, and so I assume whenever I see an Asmari deck, my first assumption is that it's six agenda Asmari, right? Where they're playing six five threes oh. to get those eighteen points. And then and then the trick is that's a good deck because or can be a good deck because the theory is you score two agendas and then get an echo chamber for point seven. Oh yeah. Right, and so the runner has to steal three agendas, but you really only have to score two. Okay. And the good news was I uh, trashed all three echo chambers. Oh. I found them all in hand and stuff and trashed them. But here is the thing. There were some nasty pieces of ice. So I had the, my runner deck is, was a Reina deck that was very like, it was disruptive and credit denial and that kind of stuff. So it had Amina, which even Amina is like seven credits to get past Tollbooth. And then, like, Slot Machine is a pain if you have to keep paying for it. And then also Endless EULA is the natural enemy of my Fractor. Yusuf. So to find six <laughs> virus counters every time, I want to get past that. And so I just didn't, I ended up, like, not quite, I was, like, you know, three, four credits short of being able to get in that last time into that last scoring remote. Yeah. So that was frustrating. Because I almost won a game on the runner side. I want to finish even. <laughs> Yeah. But it didn't happen. It's not to be. Sorry. So now that now that the tournament's over, I can tell you about my corp deck. Because before that was t- oh, right. you had top secret tech. In there. Right. So I was playing Scorpios, which first of all, uh, I was playing a Scorpios rig shooter deck where I would build up I, all my ice with sentries. And there were sentries that would like do net damage and trash AI programs and trash programs. Okay. And a couple that would end the run. So specifically I had, I think it was just like Rototur. It might have been the only one. And then like, and then like Caduceus or something that could trace to end the run. The idea was that so they, they install these breakers, but none of them do them any good. And if they don't install a killer, then you just trash all their other stuff and hurt them. And if they do install a killer, then you get rid of it with either, with like Hunter Seeker, with Trojan Horse, other things. And then you just kind of lock them out. And then they either can't get through the remotes or the centrals because... It would flatline them with the net damage, or like they just literally can't get through. <laughs> and so, let me say, I didn't feel good playing the deck. Like I felt bad for everybody that I was playing against. <laughs> like, not like like I'm so far above them that this isn't even fair. But it's just like I'm trying to win in a mean way. So, in a way that kill like a kill deck never felt never felt mean. This is like a different level of mean. So, good news is, Scorpios is rotated. Building up their little tower of blocks, and you keep kicking it down like the mean two-year-old. Yeah. So, there's no more Scorpios in yeah. standard. Uh, but yeah, that was the deck because it um, was all stacked sentries, and like I imagined playing spooky funeral music for the runner because of how much I killed their rig. I called it the Sentry Fugue. 
It's like a centrifuge because it spun them around, too. It was like, it's a play on words. Yes, you have a lot of fun naming your decks. So that was Cash Refresh. I'm excited for the next one. I hope to get you up in Jinteki and feeling okay about it so that you can do the next one, too. It's fun. Questionable. <sighs> there isn't, like, a set of rules yet. Okay. Okay. All right, next, I want to talk about... We talked a little bit about Keyforge last time. Okay. We talked about the idea... It would Netrunner be fun with randomly generated decks, right? Like the one that ANR Sealed had. Okay. And we, we had this conversation, but I thought it was interesting that Team Covenant also talked about this in their podcast. And their argument was these decks where you're not allowed to make your deck better by spending money yeah. uh, is a super accessible thing because it means that people can pick up and play even if they, and then they can play against anyone without being worrying about it being too imbalanced, right? And they could like play a game and it'll be fun. And their thought was that if Netrunner were more like Keyforge, it might have ten times the audience. Or they were talking about like it's a much more accessible thing where you're like, don't worry about having all the cards. Just get ten dollars worth of cards. And then you've got a deck that's yours and you're the only person in the universe that has it. And then you can play it. You know another game is really accessible? Uno. It doesn't make it great. It doesn't make it better than Netrunner. So what it is it about means, the, like, the deck building part that makes Netrunner? Because like there's two pieces of Netrunner, right? There's like the the strategy, yeah, and the like the hidden information and like the structure of the game. And then there's the deck building part of it. Uh huh. And so if you had all the structure without the deck building, how much of the game would that take away for you? I don't know. I feel kind of limited just like working with the core 2019 set. You know, like, okay. I just feel like there's so much that like Netrunner allows you to do and like sometimes those limits are fun you know and they can pose their own challenge but it's also fun to see like what you do and what other people come up with it's like it makes it a deeper game as opposed to just opening a box and like there you go but one of the one of the articles and I don't remember which one Mm -hmm. um you know I mentioned like maybe it would be a good thing if you're gonna have beginners to just have like some beginner decks ready and available so, like, if somebody shows up, then you can be like, hey, here's a deck. Start on it. Because I think starting that way right. makes a lot of sense. You can teach basic concepts. You can make sure you don't like a shenanigans deck. Right. right. So then they can start getting it. But then I just think that it makes it more fun to go deeper. I mean, we just talked about, like, this idea. If we didn't have, like, a rotation or a card limitation or something, that the game would just sort of be static. Stagnant. Stagnant. It would be a neg- yeah. negative way to put that, yeah. Right. That seems like what that would do. I mean, maybe they can make more money off of it by selling people $10 decks. Like, oh, are you bored now? Here's a new $10 deck or something. But like... Well, that's what I was thinking the the limitation was, is like in the analysis of this person buys a $10 deck, this person buys a $10 deck, and they're on the same level, statistically speaking, right? Uh Uh-huh. Ignores what I would call the file drawer effect, where if you are into this game competitively... If you're into Keyforge competitively, and I know that they have like this whole intricate system of balancing, but the point is that you're not playing your $10 deck against someone else's $10 deck. You're playing your $10 deck against the best $10 deck that that person bought out of the 15 or 30 that they bought, right? Yeah. So like, it's a different kind of problem and one where it's almost more cash dependent, right? It's just like it's cash dependent in a very stochastic way. Because you can't just like break it up it's like buy this as a chunk you know right. the other thing is like i think about like like so you and i each made with the core 2019 set leela deck yes and we didn't actually compare what cards were in one versus the other but they yeah. were even a leela deck 
they were both different and the way we like went about it was different and like you have your own preferences like you kind of like that anarch breaking it up making things crazy just who knows what's going to happen kind of way to play sure. mm-hmm. whereas i like that like shaper i want to get my rig out i want to do these things and so if you're going in and you're walking you're buying a ten dollar deck like maybe you'll get the equivalent of an anarch deck maybe you'll get an equivalent of a shaper deck and that can like really color the way that you feel about the whole game because maybe that's not your style. And I, sure. again, I don't know a ton about Keyforge, but it just seems to me like if I walked into Netrunner and it was like, okay, here's your Anarch deck. This is the only thing you'll ever be able to play with unless you want to spend more money to like buy a new deck that might be something that fits you. I'd be kind of like, eh. That's a good point. I can see that. So maybe Netrunner doesn't need fixing. No. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready for the Netrunner dad joke? Yes. Okay. And I haven't come up with any new ones since the last one, so I'm I'm drawn from the reserve. I'm a little concerned that I might run out. Here's the joke. Which runner faction heals fastest from a gunshot wound? This might get kind of dark for a dad joke, sorry. I don't know. The shaper? Because you can put yourself back together? No, no, no. It is the criminal faction because they have in faction access to Miss Bones. The gunshot will miss the Missed the bones. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just that's a flesh wound. <laughs> no, that's, so, that's so terrible. I think it needs some better phrasing, but I, it's pretty good. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. That was so deep. Because, I mean, that's really the problem with the gunshot wound is that you start shattering bones. So that's a little bit of trauma. Goodness sakes. Medicine, too. That's, yeah. Okay. So, in terms of the card pool that we're exploring, we are... At the moment, focusing 100% on Core 2019. Yep. And let's talk about it. So we've been playing it for a little while. And what do you think about it? You just said you said earlier that it's limiting in a lot of ways. It is. Like, so if you're playing the Corp side, you don't, you know, have many agendas to pick and choose from. That's you true. You take all of the agendas all of the that agendas. they're offering, and mm-hmm. that's what you have, and you figure it out. And if you're like, I don't like priority requisition, too bad. Too bad. Yeah. You gotta, you just gotta play what you got. Okay. So I think that it's a bit limiting there. So I like some of the new okay. player, like the new IDs. Yeah. I mean, they're not new probably to anybody else, but they were new to me, some of them. And I really enjoyed Leela. You know, I'm not usually like a criminal. Like I said earlier, I got I like the shaper side of things, but I don't know. I chose my, my ID based on the text, you know, just like that sounds like a fun way to play. So I wait, you chose your ID based on the identity ability. Yeah. That seems like how you're supposed to do it. But, okay. There could be multiple factors, you know, sure. like number of link or, okay. you know, right. deck size or whatever. But okay. I just, I went for the one that seemed the most fun, not necessarily strategic or anything. Right. It was okay. just like, this seems really fun. Like, I get to mess with them. Yeah. And so we both built a Leela deck and they were a little different. So your Leela deck was... Awesome. Well, I'm just saying it was like a much more active Lila deck, right? Whereas I, I built a Lila deck that was intent on holding back a little ways and using the corpse own actions against them, right? Like taking maybe a couple of opportunistic runs, but then like mostly waiting for them to score a first agenda and then surprising. Well, eventually. Yeah, that was a really long, drawn-out game. Yeah, that was. We took like a 70-minute game that my first... I almost ran out of cards. <laughs> yeah. I think I only have like... Four or five left in my deck. Also, you uh, may many listeners will remember your feelings about Magnum Opus being rotated, because uh, you were pretty vocal about that. 
but professional contacts came in and is now in the core set. And tell me how you feel about that. Professional contacts is five credit resource where you can spend a click to take a card and a credit. Ooh, that one's fun. You get to go through your deck a little bit faster. Okay. So like, I think it's a nice card for well, a lot of reasons. You think it's a reasons. nice card? I heard you say, I think this is better than Magnum Opus. That was your direct quote during the game. Okay. Well, no, it's good. And I really, really like it. Cause like, I like the, the ability to like do the card and you get the money. And so that's pretty rad. Cause it essentially like puts two clicks into one, which I guess, I mean, Magnum Opus does, but it right. only does it with money. But so I like all of that. I do not like that it's a resource. I'm not generally like a resource based player. I often am not afraid to like hold on to tags, which upsets that's you. I mean, depending on, there are sometimes when I get several tags and you're just like, oh, this is Okay, bad. in the core set, in the core set, if you have a bunch of tags and no resources, then as the core, your options are make a frowning face or play psychographics. Yeah. So, yes. But, so I don't love that it's resource-based because... Because you can easily just take away my resources if I get a tag or something. And if you, if I stick a tag, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If you're cautious, that doesn't happen. Sometimes. Sometimes you get multiple tags, you know? Like a ghost branch or something. Right. Data Raven into a ghost branch. So. It could happen. Yeah. So I played a, I built a Spark deck, and let me say two things about it. Number one, seems maybe not great. Seems like it might be like a fun ID, but maybe not very competitive because I was like, yeah, I got another advertisement. And you're like, well, that's too bad. I just stole your agenda. (laughs) You have an advertisement about that. But it is really fun when you see the runner at like three credits and they're like, okay, credit, credit. Like I just read an advertisement and they're like, okay, I guess I won't be playing sure gamble this turn. (laughs) Yeah, you... You found every little res window you could. Like, there are hey, lots what? of them. <laughs> Not even interacting with you. How can you be doing that? You might just be watching TV someday and then an advertisement comes on for the newest Adonis model. And you're like, man, I got to have one of those. Yeah. My favorite play so far was when you you played a uh, bank job fourth click. And then I played Sea Source on my turn and then trashed it just out of spite. And then I said, more like blank job. <laughs> Yeah. That's a good one. Because the bank job against Spark, you're like all these all these naked assets, right? Where you're just like, you're, it's easy to grab those eight credits. Yeah. In Adonis Campaign's case, it's like literally a naked asset. Yeah, so, okay. Did you ever win a game on the corp side in the new core? You haven't played enough yet. I don't think I've won either. I've come close a couple times. Maybe one. It's interesting. I haven't thought about that. It's hard to know if my runner deck's actually any good. Because you've only got me to compete against? Well, maybe. <laughs> we need to go to more meetups. I don't know. Yeah, I just... I really want to build a replicating perfection deck. I have one scoped out. I just need to put it together and play. I just have trouble playing the corpse side because I just get like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the rig builder in me, you know? I'm like, i got to get everything just right. And it's not as easy to do on the corpse side if you're not... Getting stuff. Like one game, I wasn't getting any econ for the longest time. I had no more than five credits at any given point. You know what I really like? Because you were talking about the core feeling restrictive, but do you know I really like about it? Mm-mm. I feel like it makes the decision space small enough that I can actually be really thoughtful about it in a way that good players probably are with the full card set. So, like, for example, I was able to, I was building a deck and I was thinking, okay, 
well, if I'm playing these cards, then like the runner can either get stopped by it or take tags. But if the runner takes tags, then what's my... They're just like, that's fine. I don't mind tags. Like, what's my strategy? Okay, so I need to include psychographics to think about that, right? Like, it's like being able to cover not just like this is my plan A, but also if that doesn't like if that doesn't go well or if the runner doesn't do what I want them to do, what's my strategy, mm-hmm. right? So being able to take that game theory approach, right, where you're considering the behavior of the other player is something I hadn't really been able to do in as nearly as robust a way up that's to this point. Yeah. I think that's the benefit of a smaller card pool. And the good news is that in the past few weeks, all the deck building apps and NRDB and all that kind of stuff are really now supporting different formats. So if you want to build a core 2019 deck, it's now really easy. Yeah, that's been nice. That was a real struggle at first. Yeah, I didn't even want to do it. I know. So build some. Speaking of which, you should build one if you're in the Portland area to come to our awesome tournament that we're having. January 12th, we're having a tournament at Game Rules uh, in Northeast, and so we got the Nisei Game Night Kit, and I and that's going to be the prizes, and we need some store credit and all that kind of stuff. Do you want to see what's in the what's in the prize? Yeah, we haven't even opened it yet. I know. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So here's what we got. Here's the. Ooh, they got the different backing. Right. So we got cards with different back. The Nisei. Nisei backing. Kevin Tames, mm-hmm. Chippendale's logo. <laughs> that Titan Transnational ID, you got four of those. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Whoa, 4517. You get two extra imports. You do. Then you get that agenda counter whenever you score an agenda. So you score a, an Atlas and you get one counter on it instead of none if you score it as a 3 2. Oh. Yep. Cool stuff. And, and then we got two of that in the run one that I biffed on. <laughs> Yeah, Rashida Jaheem. Oh, I like Rashida. Pretty much She's on a tank. She get to get one of these, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, it's limit. We have 12, 12 people as our cap, and there's 17 of these. Oh, good. So that shouldn't be a problem. That's exciting. You like the art? Yeah, I think it looks good. Looks good, looks good. And then we've got... It's by a lady. Megan Cannon. Oh, yeah. I think I looked up her artwork. Very. I think she has a lot of stuff about dogs. We have a dog. Yeah, I guess we do. Look, this is the mat. <laughs> oh, nice. See, there's Titan right in the middle from the card. See, mm-hmm. same art. This looks very much like future Chicago to me. Oh, I can see that. I always think about New York when I see skylines off the water. Sure, yeah. I like that. It's the first mat that I'm like, that's a really great mat. I'm not really into the mat thing. Well, I mean, you play it on our dining room table. That's true. That would be pretty handy. Yeah, I mean, like, I can see a logical reason. All right, so now you want it. the artwork, I'm not like... Now you want it bad, huh? You're going fight to for, fight for victory to win this match? Well, hopefully. Hopefully I'll be able to fight for it, is what I'm saying. Yeah, got because it. Find some child care. Child care it is. I mean, maybe you could go, and I could stay. That's a problem. says, okay, so here's the kit. It has little things in it to say, like, hey, here's a way you could play. To make it fun. So it says support for up to 22 players, right? And then it's got extras for you. You could do it with a league. You could do it with achievements. And so what we don't actually have a plan yet for how we're going to distribute prizes. No. So we're charging $8 to cover the cost of the kit and to cover cost of the venue. Because we're since we're filling up the store, basically the whole place, uh, we agreed with the owner that... We're hoping that, to fill up the store. Yeah, we are. <laughs> 
So we're, we, we said like, okay, well, it's going to be eight bucks, but $5 you get back in store credit. Right. So we're not trying to, we won't be turning a profit on this kit, which is as no, it should be. That's not the point. Not the point. So we're going to do the core piece. And then I think we'll have to decide. What do you think about like an achievement strategy? We talked about it a little bit, but like if you do stuff. Oh yeah. You had this whole like point system. Well, right. Like you score points by sticking tags or right. Like that might not be a good one. Yeah. If you steal two agendas on the same turn, you get two points or something. I think you just have to be really careful because if all goes well, then you and I are both going to be playing or one of us is going to be playing. The other one's going to be taking care of children. And you're especially trying to make it inviting for new people to come and play. And so adding like complications, like, okay, well now, right? Like remember when we played Terminal Directive, it was hard to keep track of all your little check boxes and stuff. You know what? That's a really good point. I think... I'll post online and ask some people if they have ideas because it says like, Hey, you should check out achievements. Just Google them. Right. And I think that provides some ideas, but I think that getting a sense of what would work well, a with the standard, with uh, the core format, B what would work well in an event where we're intentionally trying to get new players and beginner players. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair. So the tournament that we went to, the, that was the regionals. The regionals, yeah. Uh, it so the way he did it, the way Brian did it was he there were prizes for the winners. He had special like IDs that he had he had rotated out like he had gotten new ones and was getting rid of some of his old ones. And so the best at NBN got one, and the best at you know whichever factions. Right. He had one for each faction, and so the best got that special ID. So I thought that was kind of a neat way to go because you're like, oh, I might be the best anarch, but. <laughs> one of the worst players or something. Right. Or maybe the only, you know. Right, if that if that faction is out of favor at the moment. Right. So it was that. He also had a prize. Again, it was something that he was just some tokens that he was, he'd gotten new ones and was getting rid of old ones. Mm-hmm. For the the last place player, I was a little bummed that if I was going to get so low, I should have gotten last instead of second to last. But, you know. <laughs> maybe was... next time you'll get last place, honey. <laughs> I don't know. There's no prizes for last place right now. So if we're automatically giving everybody a $5 store credit gift card just for, like, showing up and participating, then, like, what else do we have? You know, we have the mat, and we have the Rashida cards, and we have the Titan cards. Right. So if everybody gets the Rashida, that's mm-hmm. easy. And then we've got five Rashidas and four Titans. So we could, we, could, we could keep one of each for ourselves and give one of the Titans to the top player in each of the runner factions and one of the Rashidas, the top player in each of the Corp factions. That would be one thing we could do. Give a runner card to the Corp winner. They're both corp. Corps. They're both oh, Corp right, cards. Right. I was just thinking like a three and four situation. Yeah. So I don't know. If you guys have any ideas, and this podcast happens to be posted before January 12th, <laughs> let us know. Yeah. It would be great to have some ideas of what we can pull in to be fun. I feel over my head. That's because we are. But we're getting help. It's fine. It'll be good. Yeah. How bad could it go? I don't know. We already have four people that say they're going, us being one of them. One person on the Game Rules Discord. Oh. So that makes five? Or... Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It might be overlap. Anyway. Well, it's exciting that people are actually wanting to come. And we're only doing four rounds, so it won't take forever. And it'll just be a yep. fun little thing. So try not to put too much stock into it. Yep. Even though it's... The only 
Netrunner event with official Nisei prizes in town. Yes. As far as we know. Yeah, people so are... So it's pretty much, this is, this is, this is the show. There are meetups, but people are kind of drifting away. It's kind of scary. It feels, yeah. I, I, I posted once, I, they were talking about, I was, I was like, you know, I don't want people to, like, leave the game because of this. Someone's like, hey, I've got bad news for you. <laughs> and I was like, well, as much as I would love to be the world champion, I don't want it to be, like, in 2022 because it's just you and me playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. If it's you and me and you get to be the world champion, then you've come a long way, right? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, that's fair. You got me. All right. If people want to get a hold of us, what's the best way to do that? Email us, kitchentablenetrunner at gmail.com. Absolutely. Also, I'm on the I'm on the Stimhack Slack. I'm LSTM. I'm also LSTM on Jinteki.net. And Nicole is Cohen11, if she's there. Which would be amazingly rare. Unless you really get into it. Give it okay, we'll try it. So until next time, play Netrunner! Oh, yeah. I get it now. Do you want to explain it to us? Okay, no, I don't get it that well. What, what do you get? How to say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>